0: Morning, church. I pray that you guys had a great Thanksgiving and that you got to see people you haven't seen for a while and you got to eat like you haven't been eating for a while. And uh, I know I did. So uh, um, just uh, pray that you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I got to go home and see my family, which has been a uh, a couple years uh, since I've seen some of my family. And uh, one of those individuals I haven't seen for a while is my my nephew, uh, Gavin. Gavin is the most unique an amazing individual I've ever met in my entire life. I love him to death. He's uh, uh, just, he's, he, he's, how do I say this? Um, he's got more energy than anybody else should ever have in their life. Um, but he is a kid that loves to cook, he loves it. Like, Gavin will have his own show. on on the Food Network. He just, he loves to cook. He goes to all these uh, cooking things, and I remember I showed up to Thanksgiving, and they were already there, and uh, I did what every normal uh, uh, person does, and I went to the dessert table first, and I was looking around, and I mean, there was some good stuff, really good stuff, and and I said, um, uh, I don't, if you guys know, I'm diabetic, and and so I was like, man, probably none of this is sugar-free. And Gavin comes up. He's like, oh, no, Uncle Jed, uh, um, mom told me that you're diabetic, so I made you some sugar-free cake. And I was like, man, you, you're my favorite. I don't say that very much, but you're my favorite. I said, well, all right, Gavin, explain to me. What do we got here? And he's like, we have a sugar-free pumpkin sponge cake with buttercream frosting with <laughs> with pumpkin, uh, with pumpkin uh, flavor. And he's like, I made you homemade Pumpkin caramel, and I said, "This is sure. This cake is sugar-free." He's like, "Yes." He's like, "I knew you were coming," and he said, "I know. Um, I know it'd be tough not to eat, you know, sugar." And I was like, "I almost cried over cake. Seriously, that's how." And so he he's like, "Can I cut you a piece?" I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead, cut me a piece." He cut me a big piece and he put it on the, and then he t- takes this homemade pumpkin caramel and he starts to, I said, this cake is sugar-free. He's like, oh yeah. And he's like, I'll just give you a drizzle. He dumped the whole container. Like you couldn't, you couldn't see the cake. And I went and sat down. I was about halfway through church. Y'all, when I tell you that was amazing, it was amazing. I don't like pumpkin flavor stuff. Like this was ridiculous. And, and I got about halfway through. And I was like, Gavin, bro. Seriously, sugar-free. He's like, well, the cake is, but the frosting. He's <laughs> like, the frosting and the caramels. Now I'm like, boy, you're gonna kill me, but it's worth it because it was so good. So, uh, uh, but I pray you guys, uh, you know, had moments that uh, you can look back on and just laugh at. It. And uh, if you could pray for my family, uh, we left before that, uh, the snow got there and my wife and I, they're coming through it right now. So just be, uh, just be praying for them. I did tell her, I said, you will stop at the West Virginia border and you will clean that van clean of any snow. Cause it's contagious. I'm like, we, yeah. Don't bring it into West Virginia. And uh, so if it snows this week, we know who to blame. All right. So we are in our 11th Foundation Sunday. And so if you guys are new or uh, you're visiting, foundations is something we do once a month. We do the last Sunday of the month. And we're touching on different foundation topics that we need to stand by as Christ followers. But most importantly, these are foundations that we need to instill in our kids. And so that's why we do the Foundation Sunday, and we try to tackle some of the really tough questions, but also really tough topics that uh, um, a lot of people try to trip people up with. And, you know, we've touched on some pretty touchy things this year, and I think it's all been a- and good. I-, I pray that you believe the same, and I think we've really tried to, to stand on the foundations, which-, which is Jesus Christ, because church, our foundations are simply under attack. And you know they are, I know they are, and so that's why we do this. So today, we're going to talk and try to answer a question that I believe a lot of us have, or has had. And that question is, is heaven real? Is heaven real? Is it a real place? And you know, this is a question younger kids ask quite a bit. I know I asked it when I was pretty young. So this is a question that we need to prepare ourselves to be able to answer, because maybe you know that heaven is real, but we all have a family member or a coworker or a friend that they're doubtful if heaven is real. So I found a stat that a study was done at a really big church in uh, Georgia, I think it was Atlanta. They, they took a poll between uh, 11, 000, almost 11,000 people, and they asked the question, do you believe heaven is real, yes or no? Do you believe that hell is real? Yes or no? 83% of the people in the church, in the church said heaven is real. 63% said that heaven is real. So that means 20 more percent believe that hell is real than heaven is real. Church, before we even get going, heaven and hell are real. They are. And those 20% that believe that heaven is more real, or I'm sorry, hell is more real than heaven, Church, that sets us at a disadvantage right off the bat. We need to understand that heaven is real, church. I just said heaven is real and no one said anything. Okay, we've we've got an uphill climb, rest of the message. Church, heaven is real. Yes, there is no doubt about it. I know it's a question today and I'm giving you the answer right off the bat. Is heaven real? Yes, it is. And we're going to touch on three things that can show us that heaven is real. Jesus leaves no doubt in scripture on is heaven real? He tells us throughout the course of his life over and over and over again, heaven is real. He doesn't just tell us, number one, he lives it. And number two, he proves it. And that's what we're going to talk about today is Jesus tells us heaven is real. Do you believe it? So when we look at heaven and we look at some of the words that are used to another word for for heaven, you know, paradise is one. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, uh, heaven is paradise. And I've also heard streets of gold. My grandma used to sing songs about that all the time. Streets of gold. That's that's what heaven is. And another one is eternity. I truly believe that. I believe uh, heaven is eternal. Um, Also, the kingdom. That's one that kind of uh, just, I, I can't wait to, to see the kingdom of God. Amen. That means that's where God resides. That means that's where he lives. I want to see it. You know, a lot of people pay good money to drive by a, a movie star's house, right? Imagine going and seeing the house where God lives. Mm, I'm excited for that one. The other one is the afterlife. I don't really believe this one. I believe that the afterlife when you go to heaven, I believe that's where your life just begins. Um, so that, that was one a lot of people say, but the one that I love the most is another word for heaven is glory. Ooh, man, I can't wait to go and walk in through those gates and enter into glory. Church heaven is real Amen. and we're going to prove it. And I, I want you guys in this message to really, really, really don't listen to my words. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus Christ through his scripture, through what he tells people, through what the examples that he sets in their life. Church, our end goal for living a life for Jesus Christ is what? It's heaven. That's our goal. When we, we, we make sacrifices and when we, we follow Jesus Christ, our end goal is heaven. Church, I know I talk about heaven a lot because, church, it's all we got. But it's also all we need. Amen. Heaven, the promise of heaven is something that should get you through Everything that you're going through, the promise of heaven is something that we need to grasp a hold of. And so we're going to talk about three, three matters of heaven, three matters that, that, that should help you and convince you that heaven is real, but also three matters that you can share with somebody that they're struggling with knowing that heaven is real. The first one comes from John 14. We're going to be in verses one through seven. And it says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, my father's house has many rooms. If there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Church, if you have struggled with the thought that is heaven real, is heaven is real. Thomas was a follower of Jesus Christ and he had the same question. He says, Lord, I don't know where you're going. And then Jesus tells them that I'm going home. I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to where there's rooms prepared. He said, I know where I'm going and so do you. But do you believe it? Church, when we look at the scripture, we're going to start right at the beginning. Jesus starts the entire passage of scripture by saying, do not let your hearts be what? Be troubled. Church, Jesus knew that the disciples were troubled. Jesus knew that anybody reading the scripture is troubled. Church we are troubled people. We have issues in our life that, that maybe they make us lose sleep. Church, you're troubled. I'm troubled. Maybe our job is troubling us. Maybe our family is troubling us. Maybe we have a financial trouble. Maybe we have a, trouble, um, a troubled past that we, we just we revert back to over and over again. Jesus knew. Right off the bat, when he's telling them about the the goodness of heaven, he says, I know you're troubled. Nowhere in scripture does it say, does Jesus say, you, the trouble that you have, nah. No, he says, I know you're troubled, but then he tells them what? You don't need to be. You don't need to be because you need to have the, you need to have a belief and a hope in, the, in my father's house, where one day you could go as long as you trusted me. Jesus started off the passage to the disciples because he just washed their feet. It shocked the disciples. It was something different for them, so they were troubled. They were troubled so much, Peter simply did not want to accept it. Peter got angry. Peter got, just, he, he got a, little, a, a little upset because Jesus, who is the Savior, and he truly believed it. Jesus got on his hands and knees and washed his feet. Peter was troubled because he didn't understand it. Are you troubled today because you don't understand something? Are you troubled today because something in your life is happening and you just don't get it? And then you continue on and, and Jesus describes to them what's going to happen. Judas is going to betray me. One of you will betray me for money. Church, can you imagine hearing that, f- that, that phrase or hearing that truth? The disciples were troubled. They were, just, they were troubled because they just heard something that they just can't believe. Church, is that you that you heard or maybe something was told to you that you just can't believe it and you're troubled by it? And then we continue on to the end where Jesus just told them that Peter, you will deny me three times. Peter couldn't believe it. Peter was so upset. He said, not me, Lord, not me. He was troubled. Church, are you troubled by maybe some truth that has been given to you? Maybe it's made you reevaluate some things. Maybe it's made you change the way that maybe you have been treating people. Church, Jesus knows that we're troubled people. But our hope at the end of that trouble is heaven. As long as we follow what he tells us to do. Have you ever been troubled with what's going on in this world today? I think we all have. Have you ever been troubled by things in your life that you think you got rid of? Maybe things that you thought you walked away from? Church, our hearts are troubled. But they don't need to be. He tells us, do not let your heart be troubled. Church, this one, this one is where we're going to get the ball rolling. You shouldn't be troubled because there's going to come a day. Mm -mm. There's going to come a day where that trumpet's going to sound. Jesus is going to come back. And that trouble that has been keeping you awake at night, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that trouble is now gone. That trouble is no longer in your life. If you believe in Jesus Christ. Church, I know we're troubled, but it's not forever. There's a day coming that that trouble's going to go. It's going to leave. Church, we need to trust that heaven is on its way. Amen? We need to trust that Jesus is on his way. We need to trust that heaven is real, but most importantly, because it's real close. Church, we need to trust that. So when we look at the first one is you have to trust In the promise that that he gives us on on heaven. And he says, my father's house, it's big. Tons of rooms. There's room for everybody that believes in me. So first one is we need to trust. There's a little boy flying a kite. If you have a kid beside you, explain to them what a kite is. Um, You know, I used to love going by parks and seeing people fly kites. You just don't see it much anymore. Um, But... uh, my mom always got angry when she took us to fly kites because we made her was the one that would run and try to get it up in the air. And with four kids, she was wore out, more wore out than we were. But there's a little boy flying a kite and he, he, he let almost all the string out. And the kite got so high, you couldn't see it anymore. And he's directing this kite. And, and another little boy came up and he said, how do you know that kite's even up there? He said, because it's pulling on me. Church, how do we believe that heaven's real? Because heaven is pulling on you every day. Heaven is pulling on your heart every day. I hope you believe that. I pray that you believe that. Sometimes when heaven is pulling on your heart, a lot of times we try to ignore it. A lot of times we try to to act like it never happened, but heaven is pulling on your heart every day. Pulling on you to be better. Pulling on you to, to, to have a better a, a better love for Jesus Christ. Pulling on you to have a better uh, commitment to Scripture. Heaven is real and it's pulling on you. But church, hell is real also. And that can pull on you too. But church, which one are you going to let you pull? In what direction? Church, I am not a person... I am not a person that's going to sugarcoat anything. You have a pull on your life every day. Which pull are you going to let win? The pull of heaven or the pull of hell? Church, I know we can't see, physically see heaven. We can't look up. We can't see the mansion. We can't see the streets of gold. But church, I am telling you, it is up there and it is pulling on you every day. You need to trust in that. So that's what Jesus was saying. Number one, if heaven is real, you need to trust me about it. He said, heaven is real, but you just need to trust what I'm saying. You need to trust that I built a house for you, a mansion. You have to trust that. So do you trust that heaven is real because Jesus tells us it is? Number two is we need to believe in heaven because there is a matter of evidence. Church, there is evidence of heaven. You can't visually see it, but there's... There's evidence of heaven, and it comes from the words and the mouth of Jesus Christ. All throughout the, Christ of, or the life of Jesus, he, he has given us evidence time and time again about the evidence that heaven is real. You know, when I was younger, and I say uh, a little bit dumber, not more, not much, but when I was younger and a little bit dumber, I went on my, my senior trip, and uh, they convinced me to go bungee jumping off of a bridge. Yes especially when I'm, I'm pretty afraid of heights. And so we got there and they made me go first. And I was like, there's no way I'm going first. I want to see, see somebody else go and see if they make it. You know, and, <laughs> and, and they said, well, we'll pay for you to go first. Okay. I was poor. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go first. And I remember I got up there and when I tell you I was shaking, mm, I was shaking. I mean, like absolutely trembling, cold sweats. I'm like, I can't jump. I have the flu. They're like, you do not. And, <laughs> and I mean, I was, I was so, I, 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 I've never been that scared in my life. And the guy that's running it looked at me and said, hey, don't worry. These are all new cables and new bungee straps. I'm like, I don't care how old they are. I want to know how old the person is that made them. I don't want someone to make my bungee straps that this is their first day. And there's a grace period on their quality control. Absolutely not. And I said, I don't want a person that this is their last day either. So I was like, I need evidence of the quality that this person does in their work before I jump off of this bridge. Then he pushed me and I had no choice. But that's, uh, that's where my mind went. I was like, I don't care how new the straps are. I want to know about the person that made it. Jesus, Jesus tells us there's evidence of heaven. But most importantly, there's evidence of the person that created heaven. Church, that's what we need to hold on to. Do we trust? But most importantly, do we trust the evidence? There's five ways in scripture that Jesus gives us evidence that heaven is real. Jesus had a supernatural identity. Nobody else has ever had that. Jesus had a supernatural identity. John 14:9, Jesus says this: anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And then he says in John 10:30, is I and the Father are one. Jesus was not an ordinary run-of-the-mill man. Jesus was supernatural. He's the only one that has ever been on this planet that can say that. That is evidence. That is evidence because Jesus is a man like no other. Do you believe that? We do. So why would he not believe about the heaven that he talks about? Matthew three sixteen through 17 says this. When he was starting his ministry and he was being baptized in the Jordan River, Matthew says this, at the moment heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and a light alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. God looked down on his son, Jesus Christ, and told him, I am pleased with your word. That is supernatural. Supernatural. And then one day he was with his disciples, James and John and Peter and Matthew, and it said that Jesus was transfigured right in front of them. It said angelic figures appeared and in Matthew 17, 5, it says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Please listen to him. God is saying, this is my son. Listen to him. This is my son. Trust him. So the creator, the the of heaven is telling everybody, this is my son, trust him. That's evidence. Secondly, Jesus shows us evidence of heaven because I'm telling you what, he had impeccable integrity. Jesus is the only man that has never lied. So why would we believe that Jesus is lying to us about heaven? Jesus has never lied about our sins. He told us, you are sinful people. Jesus has never lied about how we, can, how we can walk away from sin. He tells us, I am the only way. Jesus was impeccable. He had impeccable integrity. That means we can trust him. That means we believe in him. That means we know that he's not out for his own good. He is out for us. He's here for us. When you look at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, he was in a courtroom to be judged by Pilate. He was in a courtroom to be judged. And Pilate looks at him and says, I find no basis for this charge against him. That means he was not at sin. He was not at fault. That means he didn't lie. He, d- he wasn't lying about who he was. So number two is the evidence is his integrity is unmatched and unfathomable. Third is this. Jesus was a very smart man. He had a keen intellect. 12 years old he's in the temple teaching all these teachers 12 years old he was teaching them about things that happened hundreds of years before him Jesus was smart he wasn't just making stuff up about heaven he knew the evidence so he taught the evidence church that's what we need to do if we believe in that evidence of of heaven believe in the evidence of Jesus Christ we need to teach it because we trust it fourthly We need to trust in his miraculous powers. Church, last week, if you were not here, I encourage you to go back and watch one of our services. We had two people that testified about the miraculous things that Jesus Christ has done in their life. There wasn't a dry eye in this place. Exhibit A. I'm a crier. Because we heard about the miraculous powers of Jesus Christ. There's nobody else that can say that they perform miracles like Jesus does. Jesus made the lame walk. He turned water into wine. He fed thousands. He raised people from the dead. He healed people of disabilities. He he took away sicknesses from children and, and from, from adults. He 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 is a person that we need to trust because of the miraculous powers that he shows. Church, I'm going to make a statement right now. I pray that you believe in this. Jesus still performs miracles today at the rate he did all the way back in biblical times. We are just too stubborn to let people know about it. I believe that Jesus is performing miracles at the rate he was many years ago. But I just believe that we, because of who we are, struggle to share those miracles with other people. I heard someone tell me that uh, they had a miracle and I was like, well, what's your miracle? They're like, no, I don't want to. I feel like I'm bragging. Yeah. Brag on the amazing things that Jesus Christ does. Absolutely. Now, if you're bragging on yourself, that's a different thing. But if if God has done something miraculous in your life, absolutely brag about, about that. Brag about how Jesus took you out of this pit or he took you off of this hospital bed. Yeah, brag about it. But because Jesus is miraculous, we need to believe him. That's evidence enough that he performs miracles still to this day. In Luke 19, 37, it says this. This is on Palm Sunday. So a week before... Things were about to go down and he was going to give his life up for this. It says this, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they have seen. Church, are you joyfully celebrating the miracles that Jesus performs? You need to. You need to because it's a testimony, not just to how great he is, but it's a testimony to how amazing him and his father are. So number four out of point two, confused yet? Me too. All right. Now, number fifth. Number fifth. Number five. (laughs) Stop. All right, number five. This one, church, we need to believe it before we can even move on. The, The greatest evidence that heaven exists and that heaven is real is because Jesus willingly died for you. Nobody else would ever do that. Jesus willingly sacrificed himself in the most painful way known to man to save you. Church, why would he do this if he doesn't believe in heaven? Why would he do this if he doesn't believe in heaven? That he's saving you from an eternity in hell to go to an eternity in heaven. Why would he do this if he doesn't believe it? Church, that is evidence that there is a heaven. Because Jesus did whatever he could do to get you there. Jesus believed in heaven because he sacrificed and laid down so he could, he, he, he could give you evidence that it exists, that it's real. John 10, 18 says this. It says, he says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Nobody murdered Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ willingly died. Come on. Jesus Christ willingly died for you. He didn't have to. If he was living a lie, don't you think? when it got bad up on that cross and he was close to his final breath, if he was living a lie, don't you think he would have said, okay, I'm lying, get me off of here. Absolutely not. Jesus is the evidence that heaven exists. He died for it. That's how much he believes in it. He died for it. So the third one is believing in heaven is a matter of hope. So the first is, believing in heaven, it's a matter of trust. Yes, some of us have some trust issues. But we need to trust that Jesus tells us the truth about heaven. So when you do trust, you see the evidence. And after you see the evidence, you get hope of what's about to happen. I share a lot about my grandma because uh, she's very influential in my life. And I remember when she was close to passing, we got the phone call and, and I went to be with her and I mean, you know, I've been, I've been in ministry for over 20 years. And one of the things I, I don't think I've, I I don't think I'll ever get to a place that this doesn't get any easier is when I go to set with somebody as they're taking their last breath. Can't tell you how many times I've done it. Doesn't get easier. Especially when it's with somebody that you love. My grandma was a believer, and I remember I got the call, and I went and sat with her. And I walked in the room, and there was there was a, um, old hymns playing, and and uh, you know we were all sitting around and just um, talking about the memories that we have of my grandma, and they all included church. They all included the things that she taught us about Jesus Christ. And I remember I was sitting there and. And uh, she went to take her last breath. About 30 seconds away from losing the most influential woman in my life. My grandma looks up and she smiles. Church, I can only count that to this. She saw a glimpse of heaven and she couldn't wait to get there. My grandma wasn't even past the gates. She saw a glimpse of it and she smiled. Church, that is the hope that I needed to let me know that there's a heaven. Church, there is hope that there is a heaven. It's in the evidence. It's in the evidence of how glorious Jesus describes heaven to be. So the last one is the matter of heaven, or the the belief of heaven is in our hope. Church, we are in a season, Christmas season, I love it. Absolutely love it. I love what it, I love everything. I love when families come together. I love when when people are just celebrating and, and they're they're finally showing appreciation for each other. I love sugar-free stuff that's not sugar-free. <laughs> like I just, I'm so excited for Christmas. And the reason why is to me, it feels like so many people really understand hope during Christmas season. Church, hope does not fit on a calendar. Hope is not from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve, and we shut her down January 1st. Hope needs to live in you year-round, and that hope comes from Jesus Christ. That hope needs to come from your trust that He knows what He's talking about, because He does. But there's a hope that we really need to grab a hold of if we're struggling with the evidence of heaven, and that is our blessed hope. Titus two thirteen says this. It says it is our blessed hope, church. So that's my prayer this Christmas season, not that we just have hope, but that we have blessed hope. What does that mean? Ephesians two six through seven, Paul writes this. He says, "And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus." in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Church, there's coming a day that we will have the opportunity to walk into that mansion and you're going to walk up to that table and there's going to be a seat with your name on it. And you're going to sit down in it. Then you're going to look and you're going to realize that you're in glory, church. Why would anybody lie about this? Why would anyone not believe in this? Church, Jesus Christ is our hope. And our hope is that one day we're going to walk through the doors of that mansion. Amen. Amen. And we need to believe in it. And it's not just a hope. It's a blessed hope. Church, we have people in our life that are so difficult to buy for this Christmas season. I am one of them. I'm very picky. Just give me a gift card. I got it. I got to cover. Church, you want to get something for somebody in your life that may not believe in heaven, may not believe in Jesus Christ, may not, this whole thing just confuses them. I am telling you, give them the gift of blessed hope. What does that look like? That looks like this. Church, explain to them and show them and give them evidence that one day everything will be made new. Give them the hope that one day that thing that they're struggling with, it's going to go away. Give them the hope that one day their sickness will no longer be in their body. That disease will no longer be in their body. Church, as Christ followers this Christmas season, let's give the gift of blessed hope. Church, that is a gift that we should not keep for ourselves. Everybody, everybody should be exposed to the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. I want to read you one more scripture and it's Revelation 7, 9. And John says this. There was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. First Corinthians 2.9, and I'm getting emotional because this is the one that we read to my grandma right before she passed. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has convinced, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Church, God has prepared an amazing, indescribable place for his believers, for his followers. Church, my prayer is that that is you. Church, we need to trust in him. We need to trust the evidence, but most importantly, we need to grab a hold of that hope, that blessed hope that he promises, promises us that it's there. Church, do you believe that today? Heavenly Father, God, as we come to you in this moment, Lord, God, my prayer this Christmas season is that we believe and trust in that blessed hope. God, I think we all know what type of place we live in right now. We live in a place that maybe people's trying to tell us there really is no hope. Things are just going to get worse. Things are just going to spin more out of control. God, we can listen to that all day. God, we can listen to all the negatives that people want to pour into our lives, into our kids' lives. God, but this is what my prayer is, Lord. God, my prayer is instead of listening to the negativity listening to the worst-case scenario. God, that we listen to the hope which is in Jesus Christ, the hope of heaven. God, there's one day. You're coming back. And God, my prayer is that we're ready, that we're ready to walk away from everything that we're in right now and that we can just see your face and we just follow you. God, my prayer is that we grab a hold of that blessed hope. Amen. Real simple response. If you want someone to pray with you, if you want me to pray with you, maybe you have no idea this blessed hope I'm talking about. Maybe you're a person that you just, ah, heaven is just out of my reach. I can't, you know, I just, I can't understand it. Church, we are never going to fully understand heaven until we get there. Maybe that's you. You need someone to pray with you or just talk to. I'll be over here. If you want to spend alone time with God this morning, come over here, the front row, the stage, man, be by yourself with the Lord. Spend some time with him. Maybe just tell him that you appreciate him. God, I thank you so much for that hope that Jed is talking about. Church, let's give the gift of blessed hope this Christmas season. Amen. Let's stand.